0: Hey, good morning, everyone, and uh, I know this is a special day for you gathering with your family, celebrating our country, celebrating the great land that we live in, and I hope you're having a great day, and thank you for joining us. By the way, we'd love to know you're out there, so why don't you just uh, say hi to us in some way, Uh, click on your computer, your tablet, your TV, however you might do it, just say hi. We'd be uh, glad to know that and just to see that you're here with us today. So a few weeks ago, Beth and I were watching some Saturday night television. We don't do that a lot, but uh, on this particular night, we were watching the U.S. Olympic trials, the swimming trials out in Omaha, Nebraska. I got intrigued with some races, and they were fun to watch because swimming is one of those things I enjoy watching. One race in particular, though, caught my attention and has been uh, pressed indelibly into my mind. Uh, It involved two katies. It was the 200-meter women's uh, freestyle And it featured Katie Ledecky, and if you're an Olympics fan, you know Katie Ledecky is already a multiple um, gold medal winner. She's favored to win everything again, and uh, she stands alone in her class. On the other end of the—by the way, she's in the middle of the pool, obviously, in the center lane. On the far lane, as far as you can get from Ledecky, is another Katie. This is Katie Grimes. She's 15 years old. She's an upstart in the the, the swimming competitions. And she, for the longest time, just thought it was cool that she had the first name of Katie Ledecky, her hero and her idol. They jumped into the pool and the the race began. Katie Ledecky, of course, finished up some 8 to 10 seconds ahead of the entire field. But just touching fractions of a second uh, ahead of the rest of the pack was guess who? Katie Grimes, 15-year-old. It was incredible. It was fun to see how Katie Ledecky helped the other Katie. It was indeed a night for the Katies. After the race and after all the hugs and all that went on, uh, NBC's uh, Michelle Tafoya uh, did an interview. The interview struck me because the interview started with Katie Ledecky, and Ledecky quickly put the light onto Katie Grimes, which she did. And LaFoya asked her, Lafoya asked her, said, Katie, how's this week been for you? And she said this. She said, I don't know. I really don't know. And then she said something striking. She said, I know I'm only 15 years old, but this has been a long time coming, and it's been hard. <laughs> it is hard, isn't it? She had just punched her ticket for a free trip to the Olympics, in Tokyo, but it was not free. Yeah, it's free, but it was very, very costly. It cost her hours of hitting the pool while everybody else was sleeping in. It cost her hours of practicing her strokes when everyone else <clears throat> was out having fun. No, it was very, very costly, and as Katie said, it was very, very hard. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and a strong allegiance to what her call was. Now, I'm sure she has a strong allegiance for our country, but in honesty, her real allegiance was what? To the swimming pool. She had to meet that swimming pool every day. She had to work in that pool. She had to work to discipline herself, to discipline her body, to build her body, to get her stroke just right, to trim the seconds that would need to be trimmed off in order for her to be Katie number two at the Olympic Games. Now... Allegiance is big, right? Sometimes we have multiple allegiances. We have allegiances, yes, to our country, but we have allegiances to other things as well. I wonder, where does your allegiance lie today? What, what do you give your allegiance to I think there's probably secondary and tertiary things there that we do. Uh, There's also many, many things that we can be uh, uh, loyal to and pledge our allegiance to. For example, you can pledge your allegiance to a flag. Yes, indeed, you can do that. You can pledge your allegiance to a political party. You can pledge your allegiance to a school, to a baseball team, or to a sports team. You can pledge your allegiance to a family a philosophy, a way of life. You can pledge your allegiance, even to a church. You can have all of these allegiances. Where's your strongest allegiance? Where does your heavenly Father fit into that picture? Where does our allegiance to Him begin to fall into place? Today, I want to think on this subject and think about this idea. Your allegiance, our allegiance is clearly reserved for what or whom is most important. In our lives, whatever it is or whomever it is who's most important, that's where our allegiance lies. Now, if you're a follower of Christ today, I, I want to talk to you for a few moments. If you're not, I want to talk to you also as we move along. But for the follower of Christ, can I just say something just straight out? Following Christ is not easy. To quote young Katie Grimes, it's hard. It's difficult. It's difficult. Because the truth of the matter is faith and discipleship can be difficult. It can be costly. Now, we don't think too much of discipleship in that manner today. As a matter of fact, we don't even like to think about our faith as being hard, but it is. It is costly. I think about men like Daniel in the Old Testament. You remember the story of Daniel? Daniel's faith was costly to him, but his allegiance was strong to his God when taking captivity into a foreign land and offered an exquisite diet that he would have loved to have been able to eat. He knew it was against the instruction of his God, and his allegiance was to his God more than his, um, his appetite. And so guess what? He denied the meal. He denied the diet. I think about his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, three Hebrew children, all boys also taken into that captivity who were told to bow before the king to save their life or they'd be thrown into a fiery furnace. But guess what? Their allegiance was not to the king. Their allegiance was not for their own lives. Their allegiance was to God. And they said, we will not bow down. It was a costly, costly decision. Peter, James, and John just three among several, who gave up everything in order that they could follow Christ. Jesus met them at the Sea of Galilee one day and simply said to them, Come, follow me. Leave your nets. Leave your family. Follow me. And he followed them. They followed him for, what, some three years. It was costly for them to do so. Paul forsook everything that he had in order to follow Christ. All of his training, all of his religious pedigree, all of his schooling, Everything he had was left in order that he might follow Christ. And in the end, it cost him his life with his head chopped off. Well, history is littered with the the names of people that we know and we don't know who gave their lives in following Christ. Their their allegiance to God was so strong that regardless of circumstances, regardless of consequences, regardless of even the fact, the possibility of losing their own lives would not deter their faith. I think about people like Stephen who died a martyr. Stephen who was stoned. Andrew was crucified. Some say that Bartholomew was skinned alive, quite possibly. Joan of Arc was burned at the stake, and John Wycliffe was burned alongside his writings. Jim Elliot, missionary, um, died on a mission field, gave his very life for the faith that he believed. And then, by the way, it was Elliott who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What a faith. What a strong faith. Enduring and... Pledging allegiance to a heavenly father, even when it got hard. Even when it got hard. To we who are followers of Christ, I think a strong message for today is that we must walk in allegiance to, we must become disciples of Christ with a radical allegiance. We must be willing to follow him at all costs, even when it gets hard. Hard. I'm not saying it's wrong for us to pledge our allegiance or give our allegiance to some other things. But I'm telling you, we need to understand that God calls us. God calls us to an allegiance to him. Jesus warned us it wouldn't be easy. You remember what he said to his disciples on the road one day? He said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, this is Luke's gospel chapter 9, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Jesus said the words that Katie said that day. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Been at this a long time, but it's hard. Now, the rewards are great, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but let's admit it's hard. I want to take you back this morning to a passage of scripture that caught my attention that really birthed this message in my heart and really led me to where I wanted to have this conversation with you today on this 4th of July. The the passage is in the book of Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles. It is the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. And this particular section of the book deals with the history, the story of a king named Hezekiah. Maybe you've heard of Hezekiah before. Maybe you haven't. Uh, I've had the privilege on three separate occasions in Israel to walk through a tunnel that Hezekiah chiseled out miraculously of the side of the mountain, right through the heart of the mountain, I really should say. I have loved this king. I like to read about him. I like what he did. And so I, I was reading this king's story again one day, not too long ago, and I ran across a verse that arrested my heart. Now, before I get to that verse, let me lead up to it. Let me set the stage as to what's happening here with Hezekiah. It starts in a previous chapter where Hezekiah's story is about to be told. It's about to be chronicled. Listen to what it says. This is 2 Chronicles, if you'd like to follow along. Chapter 29, beginning with verse 1. We read these words. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. Now, can you imagine that, by the way? 25 years old, and he becomes king. Now, that's a scary thought for most of us, right? Most of us think about being a king at 25. We would be a little bit intimidated. Not Hezekiah. It said he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. Now, this is where we see something very interesting about this man, Hezekiah. It's always denoted which way the king went, which way the king swayed. Did he sway toward the things of God? Did he sway away from the things of God? The kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, all wrestled with this question. We get it answered for us in verse 2. It says, He, that is Hezekiah, did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Now, that David, of course, is the famous King David, arguably the greatest king in Israel's history. David, who started this united kingdom of Israel, uh, divided at the time of Hezekiah, but he's an ancestor of David. There's a hint there at what's about to happen. Look at verse 3. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the Lord's temple and repaired them. So immediately... In his first hundred days, as we would say, immediately as he began his reign, Hezekiah had his focus on one thing, and that was repairing the relationship between his people, Judah, and their God, Yahweh. You see, several things had happened to these people in their history, and, and they were in need of a renewal. They were in need of a revival. They were in need of making up their mind in which direction they would go. And so Hezekiah challenged them. What happened to them? Think about it just a minute. Hezekiah had followed his father, King Ahaz. He had, he had had was now had lived in the consequences of Ahaz's decision, and now he's decided we're going to move forward. Now we we get a little bit more if we move down to verse six. In verse six, we read these words: For our ancestors were unfaithful. Ah. Unfaithful. Think about that. We'll come back to that. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what is evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned Him, turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place, and turned their backs on Him. They also closed the doors of the portico, extinguished the lamps, did not burn incense, and did not offer burnt offerings in the holy place of the God of Israel. Now, that might seem a little foreign to you, so let's slow down and break that out just a little bit and let's look at what's happening because this is all a trend that Hezekiah wants to turn away. This is all a trend that Hezekiah wants to change. He wants to change their direction. They're going one way. He's saying, no, we need to go the other way. We need to turn away and go a different way. Really, what he's calling for is repentance in the land. What are they repenting of? Well, he gives us some clues, some ideas. First of all, I noticed that they had divided loyalties. They had divided loyalties. Now, the writer calls them idols. Idols. idols they had built up gods to, that they began to worship other than Yahweh, their God. Now, they had been warned about idolatry time and time again. They had been warned of the, of the desperate move toward worshiping other things and the consequences of those things, and yet they still chose things, found things other than their God. Now, I know what you're thinking. You think What's that, What does that have to do with us today, Eddie? I think everything because I think we have the same tendencies today. We have tendencies to divide our loyalties, particularly our loyalty to our Heavenly Father. An idol doesn't have to be some a shape of some animal. It doesn't have to be some icon that we put on the wall. It doesn't have to be something that we put in our rooms to bow down to. An idol is anything, really, that we are more passionate about than we are our God. Now, if you think about that a little bit and let that sink in, I think you will confess with me, along with me, that we have these idols in our hearts, that we have these divided loyalties, these things that compete even for our commitment to our God. Secondly, I noticed they'd walked away from their place of worship. They had left it. They weren't burning incense. They weren't offering sacrifices. They closed the door, the portico. They clo- literally, they closed the door to the worship place, and they walked away. <clears throat> and we see this same thing, right? I believe if you haven't seen it yet, you need to go back on our website and find the last series we talked about, Why We Walk Away, because it's a real problem today, and maybe the most important series we've done this entire year. I think it's very important because why? We have a tendency today to want to shut the doors of our worship places and to leave our places of worship, to leave our attitude of worship, to leave our spirit of worship because we have this competing of allegiances. We have this competing of, of, um, of, uh, of things that, will, that, that need our attention, that gain our passion, these divided loyalties. Third, I noticed that their faith slipped into one of inconvenience. As they thought about these divided loyalties, and as they, their loyalty to their father was divided more and more, and as they closed the door and the place of worship in their hearts and lives, guess what? Their whole walk of faith became more and more convenient to them. It became more and more a religion, a walk of convenience. I don't think I even need to go there. You're already tracking ahead of me because I know that's our tendency today. Our tendency is today to want everything to be convenient, including our faith, including our faith walk, including our worship and so forth. So at some point, these things, this this division of loyalties and, and this Losing of passion and this closing out the place of worship and and, and this tendency toward convenience all led to a shift in their allegiance. And suddenly, their allegiance to their God is questioned. Now, here's the verse that I read that struck me because here's how Hezekiah responds to everything I've just said. Everything we've just noted in chapter 30 and verse 8, Hezekiah says these words to his people. He says, don't become obstinate now like your ancestors did. Don't continue in this track. Don't continue in your obstinance. Don't continue in your arrogance. Don't continue in this state of mind. And then he says, give your allegiance. Maybe we could say on this 4th of July, pledge your allegiance to the Lord. Give your allegiance to the Lord and come to his sanctuary that he has consecrated forever. Wow, stop there a minute and ponder that. Give your allegiance first place, your deep commitment to the Lord. I'm not sure he's outlawing any other allegiances. I'm I'm pretty sure that he would want us to be loyal to other things. I have an allegiance to my wife, a commitment to her, a loyalty to her that I want to preserve He's saying, first and foremost, give your allegiance to the Lord. Come to the sanctuary that he's consecrated forever. Begin worship again. Get back into this place of worship. Come back to the place where you worship God. And that's not just a Sunday happening. It's not just a Saturday happening. It's a daily happening in our life. The indication here or the importance here is to see that worship is a vital part of our lives. that must be a part of our lives. Whether we are in a live gathering or whether we're on an an online feed like this or or whether we're in the quietness of our own home or our own den or, or maybe in the quiet outside spot that you have, but a place where we adore our Father and worship Him and pledge our allegiance, our love, our commitment to Him. Wow. Then he says, serve the Lord your God, that he may turn his burning anger away from you. For when you return to the Lord, your brothers and your sons will receive mercy in the presence of their captors and will return to this land. Hezekiah says, I know it's hard. I'm asking you a hard thing, but I'm telling you, in the end, it's worth it. You're working hard for more than a gold medal, for more than a free trip to Tokyo, You're working for mercy. You're you're working to a place that God will return. You're moving to a place that when you return to the Lord, your brothers and sons will receive mercy in the presence of their captors. He says there is something to be followed. So Hezekiah calls the people to repent, pledge their allegiance to Yahweh. He reminds the people that it's not going to be easy. I've kind of summarized this into three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts, just by way of application. The first of those is this. I think I observe here that a return to the Lord means a retreat from idols. It was not going to be easy for these people because a return to the Lord would mean they would have to retreat from all of those divided loyalties. They're going to have to push back. They're going to have to leave the idols. They're going to have to rearrange priorities. And they're going to have to understand that their allegiance is to the Lord. Now, I'm just being honest when I say that's not easy. Our flesh pulls us in different directions. Our own old desires pull us in different directions. It's not easy, but it's a must. It takes the discipline of hitting the pool every day. It takes the discipline of, of, of honing our stroke down to the finest places. It, it takes the discipline of walking with Jesus day by day by day by day. It's not easy, but it's incredible. The second thing I notice is that a retreat from the idols meant a deeper commitment to the Lord. It, the return to idols was going to be difficult. That uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the retreat from the idols was going to be difficult, but think about this, a retreat from the idols meant that they would have a deeper commitment to the Lord. They would have to change not only their outward actions but also their inward heart, their commitment. It wasn't just asking he wasn't just asking them to change their habits although their habits certainly needed to be changed, he was saying you've got to change your heart. That's not easy. You have to allow your heart to be changed. You say, I just can't do that. No, you can't, but the good news is Christ in you can. The power of the Holy Spirit present in you can make those changes and can bear fruit that you, in your own, on your own, cannot produce. You say, I just can't love that person. Of course you can't. If they're not for you, if they're not like you, if they've done something against you, of course you can. not But guess what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul in Galatians, says is love. The love of God born and shed abroad in our hearts, as the Scripture says, bubbles up and produces that. It's a change of heart. A retreat from their idols meant a deeper commitment to the Lord, meant a change of not only actions, habits, but their heart. And finally, a deeper walk with Christ would then demand a higher cost than they were accustomed to. Yeah, a deeper walk with Christ and, and and a commitment, a surrender, a yielding to the Holy Spirit of God in us and allowing the Spirit of God to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us comes with a higher cost then we might think it would cost them personal gain. It would cost them their own personal goals and ambitions. It would cost them perhaps even their very lives. And yet that's the call that was placed on them. And frankly, my friends, I believe it's placed on us today. Jesus himself said it. If you want to be my follower, take up your cross daily. That is, die to yourself die to your selfish ambitions, die to your own personal gains, die to all of those divided loyalties, and come follow me. You say, that's not easy, Eddie. No, I know it's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's just downright hard. I just want to be careful and not give you a bait-and-switch routine here. I want to just tell you up front that, yes, it's hard. I don't want to tell you it's easy to be a Christian. No, no, no. It's easy to become a Christian. Salvation is free, but the cost to Christ was great. Salvation is free to you and me, but it cost Christ his very life. It cost Christ a day at the cross. It cost Christ his shed blood and, and bruised body. It cost God his very own son. Now, it's free to us, but it's not without cost. And by the way, I'm convinced of this, and if I would leave you with one thought, it may be this. And that is that salvation is simple, but it isn't easy. It's simple. It's not hard to understand. A child can understand. A child can know that he or she is a sinner. A child can know that Jesus died for their sins. and A child can, by faith, come to Christ, surrender their hearts, and become a Christian. It's simple enough for an eight, nine-year-old child. It's simple enough for an 85, 90-year-old to understand and grasp. It's simple enough for the educated and the uneducated. It's simple enough that the rich are poor. It's simple enough that it transcends culture. The truth of the matter is the gospel is simple, but it's not easy because it calls us to a life of devotion, a life of urgency, a life of commitment, a life of allegiance. And so on this 4th of July, my challenge to those of you, those of us who are followers of Christ, my challenge would be, where's your allegiance? Yes, pledge your allegiance to the flag. Yes, have your allegiance to your country. But most of all, in the words of Hezekiah, give your allegiance to the Lord. Those of you who've been wrestling with this, maybe you've been watching this broadcast for months now or weeks now, and you've been wrestling with this call to faith, and you've been wanting to come to faith, but you just weren't sure. You're not, you can't know if you're ready to dive in yet. I would encourage you today. Why not choose today? Give your allegiance to the Lord. Give in the commitment of your heart. Make your commitment to Him first and foremost. You say, but Eddie, you just said it's going to cost a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. The consequences and the rewards are an abundant life, a full and meaningful life, a life of peace that passes understanding and joy that goes unspeakable, a life in heaven forever with a loving Savior, where tears are wiped away and where joys are expressed evermore. Wow, there's so much there. Somebody's waiting to talk to you right now about that. You have questions, you have thoughts, and you, you, you don't understand this, or you're, you maybe just need to talk to somebody about this venture of faith. Maybe you need to just ask somebody, hey, can you walk me through how I can walk this, begin this journey of faith? All you got to do is contact us right now. Or some in there, you know, some of you out there, some of us here, truth is, we've given our heart to Jesus years ago, but in the course of time and pressures of life, a pandemic, or anything else we might want to put it off to, we've developed some divided loyalties that have led us to back away from the house of God, that have led us to back away from the worship of our Father, that has caused us to begin to drift away from faith and question where we stand, sapping us of the passion that we once had for the Lord, and bringing us to the place that our allegiance is shifting. If that's you today, I plead with you, with the words of Hezekiah, give your allegiance to the Lord and let him take care of the details. And in the words of Katie Grimes, it's hard, it's hard, but in the end it's worth it all. Well, God bless you. I hope you have a great day today. I hope you enjoy your celebration with your family, your friends, or whatever it is you're doing today. And may you experience the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. And may you today give your heart completely to Him afresh and anew. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this time together. Thank you for this great day. Thank you for the country that we live in. We are grateful for our country. We are grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy and the celebration of freedom that we have today. But God, I pray that in the midst of our celebration of freedoms, in the midst of our celebration of the joy that we have of independence, may we remember, Father, that we are truly dependent upon you and that our real allegiance, our first allegiance is to you and to you alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you next time.